Welcome to The Trophy Life, the podcast that asks the question, aside from the awards and medals, what skills and benefits do participants gain from organized competition that offer them an advantage over those that sit on the sidelines? Today we welcome 2008 U.S. National Junior Champion Alexi Gillis. Alexi represented the U.S. six times as a junior, um, bringing back two silver and a gold in the Junior Grand Prix, also a bronze at the Junior Grand Prix Final. She represented the U.S. four times at the, at the Senior Grand Prix and at the ISU Four Continents International Competition with a top 10 finish. Welcome, Lexi. How are you? Retired okay. in 2014 and touring with... Da-da! Disney on Ice. As... Queen Elsa. Of Frozen. Mm-hmm. So how many times has someone asked you, do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> More times than you can think. So take us back. How do you, what is the transition like? You are a competitive figure skater, a, you know, one of the top skaters, top 20 skaters in the world. And here you are um, transitioning into a professional career. Would you look in the want ads? Like, how, where do you find the jobs? How do you audition for them? Do you send in a resume? How does that work? Because I think a lot of young skaters are interested in that process, that transition process. Mm-hmm. So when I, I finally realized that it was kind of time to retire, I still, you know, love com- performing and still love skating. And I mm-hmm. wanted to keep traveling. So my goal was looking into a show because I was that little bit in me was not done performing. Mm-hmm. So I looked into Disney. I looked into cruise ships. I've looked into holiday, you know, a couple of the shows mm-hmm. and nothing was really sparking my interest at first. Mm-hmm. And then my choreographer at the time, um, Katarina Lindgren was like, mm-hmm. oh, the casting director for Disney is coming this week. I think we should set up a meeting and so we did that. And I was fortunate enough that Judy was in town and came to the World Arena and, you know, sneaked across to the, the other skating side and saw me skate for about 20 minutes and, you know, exchange emails and things like that. Mm-hmm. But the normal process is you, you send in an email and then you go and do a live audition and then you kind of wait. Right. You sit and you wait until something's open. Right. You get the call back, right? So mine kind of happened a little quicker. I still had a little mini callback, and then you know, six weeks of waiting. Of okay, Mm -hmm. if this happens, what do I need for the road? Mm -hmm. Okay, I need to know what my nutrition is going to be. I need to know how am I going to be able to work out and maintain like my body shape while being on the road because you don't have your gym to go to or a car to drive you there. So it's kind of an adjustment. And then it was finally the callback, and I got it. And then it was like, okay, and you're leaving in a week. And I was like, <gasps> okay, so my whole life changed right. with it, like in a second. Wow. So did you see familiar faces? Because I know when I, I actually did get to see you perform when you were here in um, Pennsylvania. And mm-hmm. I saw a few familiar faces in the cast. So how did you know before or you just are surprised? Um, I think once your name is kind of thrown out there, people, right. you know, they always talk. So right. somehow through the grapevine, you know, someone who's done the road, who's done the show life. 
Um, I knew Morgan Bell through, you know, competitive competitions, mm-hmm. but I didn't really know her. And right. then turns out we were going to be sisters and now we're friends for like probably the rest of our lives. Right. Um, one of the other um, Elsa's was Becky Bear as well, who I had competed against since we were little girls. Mm-hmm. Um, we only tr- um, skated together for a short amount of time, but mm-hmm. you know, there are a few people that did go to the shows that I was thankful for because then I had friends on there instead of going in blind. Right. So you could, and now how many years have you been with Disney? I was with them for six years. Six years. Now, where mm-hmm. were you during the pandemic? Um, oh, gosh. I think we were in Mississippi, just south of Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> okay. And did they, court, like, how, how did that happen? What was the news where they were, you know, um, winding the tour down prematurely? Like, how did, how did that happen? Like, where did you g- get that news and... So we were just about to open on like a Thursday night and, um, mm-hmm. you know, the news had been speculating and circulating and, um, you know, nobody knew what this was. Right. So we kind of, you know, continued like we were going to do the show. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the Mississippi governor announced that you can't have an audience size or a group back gathering of more than 200 people. And we're like, well, we're performing to an arena. How right. is that going to happen? Yes. <laughs> you know? So four hours before the show, it's still open. Nothing's been happened. Nothing's been canceled. And then we get a group meeting from our company manager and was like, okay, for right now, we might be going to Florida because that's where we were going to next and just mm-hmm. taking two weeks and then go from there. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, it was the whole rest of our two month tour was canceled. Everything was done. Boom. And then we had to load up and get flights and leave within four days because international borders were closing. So our international kids had to leave and get in before they closed their borders. And, you know, it was just like, okay, yay, like we're going to do a Disney show into you're going home. We don't know for how long this pandemic has changed everyone's life. Right. Yeah, I, I well, I was, you know, I had kids scattered everywhere. My daughter was in France. So I do remember like... My, my son um, was in New York and he's saying, you know, it's very serious, mom. This is very, you got to get her home from mm-hmm. France. And I was saying to her, you know, it's time to come home. She's like, it's fine here. Everything's fine. You know, I'm in Southern France. Everything's fine. And within a week, she was, I can't believe it. Yeah. So she got out on the last flight of France to the UK because they were still allowing flights out of the UK. And then from the UK, I was able to get her home. So, wow. I know. Great. It's just, I know people that, you know, got stuck over there. And, you know, I feel bad for the cruise ships and the people that, the workers that got stuck on the cruise ships for how long? Yes, for months. Yes. Yes. So, fortunately, I was home in the States and was able to fly home Mm -hmm. easy, no problem. The the airport was still quite busy, no masks yet, but Mm -hmm. it, it was fine. Right. So, so lucky, right? Um, that mm-hmm. you were able to now a lot of those skills, a lot of those um, flexibility, you know, that you have to have as a skater. Did you think that some of that training early on helped you during that crisis? I think so. I mm-hmm. mean, we started skating when I was two and a half years old. Oh. And so 
from there we would drive to Chicago to go skate so we would have to be doing our homework in the car and then once we mm-hmm. finally moved to Colorado it was still okay do your homework in the car make sure your homework is done before you can skate and before you can go to competitions and then you have to work out and you have to find time for balance and mm-hmm. you know I'm from one of five kids as well so right you know every there's multiple schedules there's you know this person's going there and there and you just have to be flexible and three three skaters is that right three skaters yes okay three skaters and all not just skaters but international level skaters mm-hmm. so it's yeah your house is a handful so um <laughs> especially when you're teenagers you know trying to balance all of that um, mm-hmm. So coming out when you when let's say th- that huge transition when you're on tour and all of a sudden the tour just stops. Did, was there ever a competition? Because I do remember being at a competition once with Adam and it was in Finlandia and there was a fire. So the the lights went out and the entire arena had to be evacuated. So did you ever have an episode like that where you were competing somewhere and the it was just like completely... Um, you know, turned th- things upside down? Um, I can't say that I've had a competition where anything like that has happened. Right. I have done possibly shows where the compressors go out. You right. know, you kind of have to wait. Actually, Broadmoor open here in, in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So summer competition, the lightning. So the mm. lightning would sometimes kill the power. Right. So then our events would be delayed. And then sometimes as a young kid, you're competing at... 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night when that's way past your bedtime. Yeah. Yeah. But that was what you did because you wanted to compete. That's right. And I think training and that that kind of conditioning sets you up to be more resilient later in life, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Now, when you were growing up, taking criticism, like when they do the critiques, those famous critiques at Champs Camp and all of this. Now, how old were you when you realized that feedback was for improvement and they weren't insults? Like where, where is the balance? Like for young skaters, where where do you um, advise, you know, that listening ear versus the, the filtered ear? You know, I think I was quite young, to be Mm -hmm. honest. Um, I, I think juvenile when we were doing junior Mm -hmm. nationals and getting those small critiques and, um, I remember missing out on junior nationals by one placement because I stepped out of a double flip. You know, my whole life mm-hmm. was like, ah, why didn't I make it? But Piper made it to, in dance. And um, but I learned that, you know, if you change this or if you change your program this way, then this will help you advance more. Mm-hmm. And then if you had the double axle, then this will help you advance even more. So. Right. You know, I, I, I took them because I knew that that was going to make me better. Right. But, you know, the older you get, the, the higher up in the in the competitions you go, the more critiques you get, the more mm-hmm. it feels like they're attacking you. And really, they're not. But they, they're trying to just get the best out of you and your right. team. But it's still hard. Yeah, it, 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 it is hard. And it's hard to not take it personally. Where I think as you get older now as a professional, um, when you do a certain, um, 
I know in the show, when I saw you, you kind of come up onto the higher stage and you do Mm -hmm. this little number and it gets a huge reaction. I'm sure in some cities, especially international cities, that particular scene might not have received the same reaction, but you're not taking that personally. So as you got older, you're able to process Mm -hmm. that it's not about me. It's about the situation and the circumstances. Yeah, right. And now I like thrive on it. I'm like, okay, if I don't have these criticisms or what, what do I need to nitpick so that I can, you know, do even more. But then it's like, okay, well, you have to remember this is real life and not everyone's going to be nitpicking everything and giving you criticism and feedback on every single thing you do. But I think that's hard because we're like, we want more. Right. So you would say you, once you were like out of your teens that you were able to process that in a healthier way? I think it took me till after. After competition? Yeah. 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 Because, you you know, you you get, once you hit that point where you're like, okay, this is, it's time. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to give up something you've been doing your whole life and you love competing, but your body's not accepting or like performing how you want it to do or producing the triples and the new quads Mm -hmm. and triple axles and triple triples. So it's like. And you know you're capable of it. That's right. the thing. So I think it's taken time after and stepped away that it's kind of like, okay, okay. So you're able to transform mm-hmm. so, you know, your skills from skating and process them and like synthesize something even greater, which is yeah. performance all over the world. So mm-hmm. tell me about some of the exciting places that you've been touring um we first started in the states in the the united states and you know when frozen came out everywhere you went it was just like screams and everything Mm -hmm. and you just were like holy moly like chills you would get like backstage you they can just hear the audience was here mickey and minnie announcing that frozen's Mm -hmm. gonna happen and it was like the whole world like they were kind of sleeping till like Yes. But it was fun because internationally, they reacted to different parts Mm -hmm. of the segment. So some parts would, everyone loves Olaf, the snowman. Mm -hmm. But some parts like the funny parts or the the, the Hans punch or they like the kiss or, Mm -hmm. you know, little things like that. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Let It Go was a major hit always. Yes, yes. It's funny things like that. So um, overseas, you did the U.S. and then you traveled overseas. Um, where, where do they have like a, the European one and European two tour? Like, how do they do that? Yeah, they kind of have two markets for the Europe. For Europe, they have um, South Africa, which was an amazing place mm-hmm. to perform, and then I competed there too. And then Japan, you know, they loved their skating. And so it was fun to perform over there for, I think, three months. Wow. And, yeah. So, so you stayed on well. in, in, uh, in Japan for three months? Mm-hmm. So w- w- did you, you must have traveled the entire country then. Yeah, we, we started in Sendai and we went down to Tokyo and Fujiyama and Hiroshima and mm-hmm. uh, Saitama. I, Osaka. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nagoya. Like, yeah. So it's kind of cool just to see the whole countryside too. Wow. Yeah, it is. You know, it's it's so interesting to be in Asia because you definitely feel 
like you are not home. You can kind of fake it somewhere, but some places in Europe, but when you're in downtown Tokyo, you know, you're not home. Yeah, there's yeah. a different, yeah, there's a different vibe. Um, what was a place that you thought I definitely have to come back to? Um, oh gosh. Oh, I think Japan and I would definitely go back to, mm. I loved Ireland. Um, oh, nice. And I really liked Poland, actually. Yes. Um, I was in Slopot up in Dansk, the northern part yeah. of Poland. Mm -hmm. And um, I was there in December. So it was very, like three o'clock. It was dark. It was the Junior Grand Prix final. Yes. I was there. Yeah, that's right. We were there together, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I that, forgot that yeah, was I went again. That was the first year. That was when it was like six American girls. It was Rachel yes. Marai and Caroline. And it was all three blue dresses that won. And yes. I and had the was, blue dress, but I wasn't. <laughs> and um, there were, they had eight men back then. They had eight mm -hmm. finalists, right? And six of them were American. Yep. Yeah. So. But yeah, I think I would love to go back to Scandinavia in the summertime. Obviously, in the wintertime, it's very different, but. Mm -hmm. And, for, you know, France is lovely, but um, I've done Brazil twice. No, I, okay, wait a second. You've been in South America as well. Mm -hmm. So Brazil, where else? Brazil, Peru, Panama. I think that's it. Now, yeah. when you when you are there, do you have enough time, like, to do Machu Picchu or, like, to do other things? Or is your time that restricted? We didn't get a chance to do Machu Picchu in Peru. Mm -hmm. um, in Brazil, we did because we were there for two months. The first time we went down to um, the Iguazu Falls, mm -hmm. which is one of the seven natural wonders. Right. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And then we also climbed Mount Fuji when we were in Japan, too. Wow. <laughs> so we do have sometimes have side trips that yeah. work. Yeah, you know, this is these are the things that I don't think, you know, as parents are helping their kids and investing in something like skating or um, gymnastics or, or something that um, requires such focused attention, you know, in training, mm -hmm. there are shows like this after, you yeah. know, competitive life that can be, you know, people talk about gap years, or sometimes it doesn't necessarily have to be a gap year. Sometimes it's, you know, of self-awareness. And it turns into multiple years, because with each year, I'm sure you learned something of value, you know, wherever yeah. you went, not, not only that, just the diversity that you're exposed to. Now, did, do, did any of your personal views change? Or your awareness change? Or were you like, in like anything shock you while you were like, I didn't even know this was happening. Like, cause I know when I went to Romania once, I, I was just so shocked at some of the extreme poverty and um, driving up through the hills. And, and I mean, not that I've never seen poverty, but I, it was just like, to see like old Navy bags as tarps and, and roofs for, th I just, I was just surprised um, th that it was so close to like a metro, not, a, you know, a semi-metropolitan area. Like I, I just didn't under, 
like seeing the world opened my eyes because it wasn't just such an organized place like oh let's have a food drive it was it was just a different so is was there any place that you went to that was just shocking yeah i think because we traveled pretty well when we were younger i had a little bit of an open mind mm-hmm. but also when i continued to travel you know it expanded even more and mm-hmm. You know, you notice how the Japanese are very clean and how they, mm-hmm. you know, follow strict rules and have right. lots of languages and how they live together. But then I wouldn't know that if I didn't stay there for that long. Right. Whereas in Brazil, there's uh, Brazil's government and poverty is is it's very bad. Mm-hmm. It's, um, and the range between high class and poverty is, is it's a lot. Yeah. There's no middle class. Right. And then in South Africa, you have the, the slums and, you know, they live in tin houses with electricity, like through, and, you know, there's gates everywhere. And you know, so that it, South Africa is the one that I'm like, oh, okay, wow. Yeah. Um, but again, in Poland, you know, we visited the concentration camp and, you yeah. know, it's silence. It's silence there. And I think you just, you, you become more humbled too. That's right. Yes. And you realize how small and how big you are at the same mm-hmm. time, you know, how profound yeah. life is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, you, it was part of your training that brought you to this place that gave you, yep. that opened the door for this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you know, I, and I, I love to, you know, I think we came to New York one time to get a new show program or something in mm-hmm. Toronto. And, um, you know, our cities too have problems. And, of course, um, you know, Denver has been horrible with their homeless. But, you know, we, we can't take for granted the training that we do and the good environments we have in California where right. Adam is and um, Colorado here. So, um yeah, it's just, you don't take anything for granted either. Right. You really do get a healthy perspective on life. Yeah. And um, I even, t- I talked to you earlier, um, we've been in touch, obviously. So um, I talked to you earlier about, in my book, I mention you, but I don't mention you. I say, yeah. I, I know some Disney princesses. Um, but I talk about the, the strength that parents, into, you know, kind of, develop. And it's like the Disney princess strength, because I I say that I um, have talked to you and I know some of the schedules that you kept and some of your castmates kept three shows in one day, early rehearsal, packing up, getting out, going to the next city, doing two more shows. And you are in line and you look like you just came out of the beauty salon as people are asking for your autograph and photo. And it is, you gain energy because you are aware of that inspiration that you are providing those little girls and boys that come along and want to get their photograph with you in the cast. So tell me about that. Like, where, how dig do you deep? Like, where does that energy come from where you know I'm being called upon to be a hero today and I'm ready? So how does that, how does that come? You know, there are days when you just, you know, you wake up and you don't feel very good, but then you get yourself moving, get yourself to the rink mm-hmm. and the arena 
and you start practicing and you remember that, okay, I'm moving my body. Like I can do this. And you know, this is what feels good to me. And then you have to remember that once you put on the makeup and the glitter and everything that this is their, maybe their only opportunity to see a Disney princess or Disney show or Mm -hmm. anything like that. So once you kind of hear the audience and hear the, how they're reacting to the characters, you kind of, you know, internally light up. And mm-hmm. then once those lights come on you, you're almost a whole nother person because you have to transform into that character. Right. But, you know, I think because we have worked so hard from, from a young age that we just kind of continue to work hard because that's just what we want to give. Mm-hmm. Um, so through those three day, three show days and two show days and one show day, pack up, leave to the next city to mm-hmm. do it all over again. It's just like, okay, just keep moving. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, but we just have to keep going. And, and hearing all that appreciation or hearing like, what can you share with us? Like anything that somebody whispered to you in line that just touched your heart? You know, there was just some, like, you just couldn't believe how lucky you were to be who you are. Yeah. You know, you see the girls dressed up too, and Mm -hmm. you see just they're dancing and they're singing and they're Mm -hmm. so excited to see the show. Then they don't know that we're those characters. Right. So we're kind of incognito and secret. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, maybe you have a friend in the show that has their family members there that are traveled for how long to be there. And so you just want to put on an extra special performance show for them, even though you don't know them. Right. So it's kind of like little things like that. You hear somebody in the in the audience or you see someone just light up even more when you look at them. I think those are the little things that, you know, add to your wanting to give more. Now, when you were when you were an amateur, did you love the exhibition or did you you know, because I know a lot of skaters that their whole goal is to finish like in the top four, or the top five, whatever the requirements are, because I'm going to be in the exhibition, I'm going to do this. Because back in the day, you, there was only in the exhibition, could you use music with words? Right. So yeah, so you could like get that, I'm really needing you or, you know, that whatever song out there. Yeah. Now, the rules have changed. And there's um, lyrics in the music. But were you one of those people that were like, I'm in it, I love shows, like I more of a show than because I do know some competitive skaters that just they just show up with jeans and a t-shirt and they do like skate back and forth and do a few triples and they can't wait to get out of there they do not like shows so what kind of skater were you I think you know that's how we got into skating was Mm -hmm. because there was a great park district that did shows annual shows Christmas shows Mm -hmm. um and my mom loved it. We loved mm-hmm. it. We loved the mm-hmm. costumes and everything mm-hmm. that went with it. But the more competitive I got, the less I think I wanted to do them because, mm-hmm. you know, our exhibitions were do your short program, do your long program. What's the criticism you're going to get from your coach? Mm-hmm. Who's going to tell you what? Like, what does your dress look like? So I think our exhibitions were work, focused yeah. work. Yeah. And then we had the random shows that were that were exciting but it got you out of your shell. So it was a little uncomfortable to me anyways. Yeah. But I loved it. But I remember my first, I think just after I won in junior, Jill Trenery did one of my first um, exhibition programs mm-hmm. that I could start doing for shows. It was to A Moment Like This by Leona Lewis. I remember mm-hmm. it. And, you know, I felt 
like I had to live up to those expectations. And I love mm-hmm. the music, but once that jump came on, I was like, oh no, I have to do the jump. Okay. And then the lights could came on and then you were like, okay, I don't know how to skate in the spotlights and things like that. So I think if people do more now with mm-hmm. skating with the lights, I think mm-hmm. it'll be beneficial to the competitors. Right. Now, when I saw you, you have the long braid, like it's a, obviously a wig um, that you're wearing. Mm-hmm. How do you manage to skate? Because you're doing a lot of jumps in your program with all of the extras. You have yeah, to get used so, to it? You know, we started skating with short skirts, like the less mm-hmm. fabric you have on, the lighter it is, the better mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the triples and everything. So then when they added long ice and skirts to mm-hmm. me and, and a wig, I was like, whoa, my center of balance mm-hmm. is all off. <laughs> but it took time and I did get used to it to do the triple toes and double axles. Mm-hmm. But it, it was hard. Mm-hmm. It was hard. And I think, you know, over time it got easier, but also that the little kids don't know you're doing those triple jumps either. So they just want right. to see you land your jump and look pretty sometimes, <laughs> which yeah. is hard. And I think for us, you know, we, when I was in the audience looking at you and Morgan, because I saw, Morgan was in the show that I saw um, yes. with the two of you, and her sister is Mariah. Mariah Bell. Yes. Um, so I kind of, it's, we're all, we're all like a family, you know, we're all related via electricity somehow, you know, because Adam is helping with her coaching. And um, she and Adam were training together when I was um, going out to California to watch some of the training. So it's and then seeing Morgan in the dressing room, you took me brought me like a VIP backstage. So I got to see the underbelly of Disney, which was so cool uh, for me. But I got to be in the audience as people were coming in. And I got to see like those kids that meant so much to them, you know, to be able to Mm -hmm. see that cast and practicing the songs and all of those things. So um, did you when you were younger, you know, when you were competing, did you think that you would be creating this huge family? Or because, you know, you had Todd and you had um, Piper skating, was that was that skating cra- car crowded enough? It, I mean, I think with my mom's mentality was just everyone, come on, come, come, come. Mm-hmm. So the, the bigger fit the family, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, you know, Todd had friends. We had friends. Mm-hmm. We had friends from internationals. We had friends from all over the world. We had Your mom hosted a lot of battle. skaters, like, right? Your mom hosted a lot of skaters, yeah. Mm -hmm. From all over. I think she even has Michael Brigina at one point. Mm. Like, you know, everyone's coming. The Australian boys have been here. We've had, we started with a Slovenian boy. Mm -hmm. So, and the Swedish girl who is like my mom's another daughter. And then Mm -hmm. Alex Bieldi, who was a German skater who, you know, lived here. And I think when most of us were even out of the house, so she, mm-hmm. he was the only one. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think, you know, we use you, we reach out to you because we have new moms. Jody mm-hmm. Flat was like a second mom. Mm-hmm. You know, Piper has her Canadian mom in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Paul's mom, Deborah, And so I think, you know, we just, the more support from each mm-hmm. other, the better. And mm-hmm. I think that's how we all kind of connect. 
Yes. Well, your mom and I were fast friends, and um, it's roommates on the road when you and Adam would cross, or, or Piper and Adam would cross at competitions. And I do remember a story I shared with you about how your mom was like, she was also a nurse, your dad's a doctor, and your mom was a mm -hmm. professional nurse. And she like jumped into medical performance when Adam smashed with Patrick at Skate Canada and um, mm -hmm. watched him all night for a concussion and um, calmed my nerves. And it's so important for um, skaters' parents to, to um, reach out to each other and because we're not competing against each other. It's the really only support that understands that perspective of, um, you know, international travel, the in enormous costs of skating, um, when, a, when uh, a slight injury or the n nervousness of some, you know, one of your kids in PT or something like that, um, right. you know, waiting for those results. So w we can empathize in a completely authentic way. So I truly encourage a lot of parents to reach out and get to know each other because not only are you meeting, you know, a lifelong friend, you are meeting like I have two new daughters, you know, you and, and um, Piper. So I, um, uh, I am so grateful for skating for things like that, you know, that it has expanded my reach as a mom, you know, and like Valentina, right. Uh, um, Valentina, yes. I, I call her Valerie, but uh, she's my daughter as well. And Mickey, Mickey Ando, um, she's a mom, but I, she's still my little girl. You know, I met yes. her when she was 18. So she will be that girl with the little ponytails as long as yes. I can remember. But they're my international girls. Um, but I do think that there is an aspect of skating that people don't see, you know, right. um, because I do remember watching, you know, um, Michael Weiss and um, Todd Eldritch on television. And then a few years later, being at a Grand Prix and thinking, this is it on TV. It looks so fancy, but it's not that yeah. fancy. Yeah. Even the Olympics. I, I was, I mean, not that the Olympics are fantastic, but for some reason, I just thought there'd be a lot of, um, the, yeah, I don't know, that, that what you see on television when it's brought to a small, yeah. it just seems mm -hmm. like real, I, I, I think, I feel like when I see it on television, it's like superhuman, but when you're there, you realize how ordinary, they're just ordinary yeah. people. Yeah. So I think right. that that is... Um, yeah, we were so excited to see everyone at the Olympics. And, um, you know, we saw more people at the skating rink than we had in a long time. So we were excited to be at those events and see Kiefer Hubble, who we haven't seen in a while. And, yes. and you know, an old skater and then see you and mm -hmm. your family. And but because the events were kind of spaced out with, you know, super early or mornings mm -hmm. or super late, it mm -hmm. kind of left that, that in between time where you were like, OK, what do I do? Because all the events were over at and then noon, you guys right? Over there, yeah. and we were, and we were like, okay, we'll just go hang out, I guess, yeah. somewhere. But it was, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, yeah, 
It is mm-hmm. nice. Um, now, what are you doing right now? Well, during this interim, are you waiting for the show to call back or what are you doing? I was kind of waiting, but, you mm-hmm. know, things kind of kept getting pushed further and further mm-hmm. back and there was no set date. So I've been back in school. Um, Tell me more. Tell me more. I love that. Yeah. So because there's no learn to skate here going on at the rink. So there's mm-hmm. no coaching that I can really do unless, you know, I drive a little further and then mm-hmm. it kind of gets a little, okay, what's going to go on. But so instead I took a public speaking and a psychology class this summer. And then right now I'm in four. So I'm basically full time with like an environmental science and mm-hmm. business um, law and a Colorado history and a microeconomics for right now. So that's fabulous. Six years of tour, and then now I'm going back to school. <laughs> no, I think that's fabulous because you are making the most. You know, I talk to other skaters, and I think because you're used to that critical analysis all the time, you are used. You know, you're in that lemonade process. Like you really turn a situation and you know try and find the most positive way to reframe it. And I feel like part of these skills of resiliency and that grit, instead of waiting for things, you know, because I hear this all all the time. I hear people say, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. And I'm thinking, what to do, wait, why would you ever, like, I don't want things to be like they were in 2016. I like the technology and the things that I've learned in those four years. So I don't want to move back. I want right. to make better. So I think that what you're doing is you're, you are really optimizing your time. You know, when somebody, like if you had a, uh, you know, a sore leg or something like that, you, you would change your toe jumps to, to uh, edge jumps. You know, when you would optimize right. as many points as possible or exactly. if you had variations, your choreographer, your coach would say, you know, Alexa, you've got to optimize what you can do. Like put your arms over your head or put your arm, mm-hmm. one arm behind your back or do crazy spiral, you know, uh, variations <laughs> to optimize, exactly. right? You're, you're very, and adapt. And right. And I think that, I mean, do you agree that those adaptation skills and and those transformation skills um, that you learn to optimize the time that you have or what you've got, right? Instead of crying over what you don't have. Yeah, I I think if I didn't do anything during this time, I would drive myself crazy. Mm -hmm. So and and at the, at the beginning you couldn't really get a new job or you couldn't mm-hmm. the rinks were so closed and then right. when they were open it was a minimum capacity and things like that so not that I don't want to ever you know coach or anything it's just kind of more difficult than it is right now so with that other time I went to school <laughs> and, and you it's know hard <laughs> yes everything you know what it requires practice mm-hmm. you know things become easy once we put in practice hours you know, when you first yep. got on the ice, it was really hard to do crossovers. Do, are you, you you rotate to the right? Yeah. Okay. Not normal. So, mm-hmm. so you, you, um, we don't say normal and abnormal. We say common and uncommon. Or I turn counterclockwise. <laughs> yeah. Clockwise. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm teasing you because that's like the new, like, then, you know, um, you know, they rotate. I jump to the left. Yeah not the right <laughs> like you should yeah. when you would get when you would get a clockwise turn around the ice I know like 
that's where a lot of accidents happen, you know, because their corners and everything are changed and you don't, when somebody's coming at you, that's where a lot of collisions happen. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so we want non-dominant side. Yes. But so, the dancer side, that's the dancer side. Yes. Yes. Um, no, when you had an opportunity to work with like some of the best choreographers in mm-hmm. the world, David Wilson, Lori Nichols, um, Kat in uh, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- what did you learn from them that helped you apply that to learn choreography? Because did you have to like also do other parts? Did you have to yes. learn choreography like quickly? Because didn't yes. you have to move shows at some times? Yeah. So at the first year, I, I learned the first main Frozen show, all Frozen, in three months. And then, but I had to be put in because Becky wasn't there yet. So I had to learn it like right off the bat. Wow. And then until she could come because she was finishing up something. And then so then Morgan and I flipped and jumped back and forth between, we call them D27 and D34 at the time for another four weeks. So we were learning the same show, but in a smaller segment okay. with new choreography from that show, as well as the new choreography we learned from Frozen. Wow. <laughs> and then the following year we had to like, we went back and I went back and forth between three shows, mm-hmm. which was fun because it was, you know, kept it interesting. I didn't know where it was going to end up and mm-hmm. things like that. But then, you know, as you're building choreography here with new new show programs, new short programs, new long programs, I, I did a short program from Katarina for many years, many mm-hmm. years, and that was my comfort. But then to make it to the next level, I had to expand and work with mm-hmm. David Wilson and Larry mm-hmm. Nichol. And I worked with Piper, Piper's coaches, Caroline and Uris mm-hmm. Razgulayevs, mm-hmm. who were completely different than any yeah. of the other choreographers who I had taken from. Um, I think I had one by Pasquale and Yuka too. So oh, nice. I kind of yes. had the range, but yeah. you know, I, I liked my comfort of Katarina and I loved my David Wilson, but his was even different than Lori. And, right. um, but it, once you find the right choreographer, they, you know, they really know you, they know how you move and, mm-hmm. and what arms look good on you. So I think that's important with choreographers, mm-hmm. but it is important to like pick things up quickly mm-hmm. with your choreographers too. Right. And with the shows, because you can just be thrown into a, a, a random number and be like, okay, you have 10 minutes and we're going to block this. And then you're right. in tonight and you're like, <gasps> so you have to make yes. sure that you know the steps and know the, you know, the counts to it and where they are in the music. And um, there were some freak out moments, but I, I, I didn't run into anyone. I, I everything looked good. I think. <laughs> whenever I went in. Now, when you also, sometimes you're, when you're doing um, competitive skating, things are uh, coutured to, to your strongest points. But when you're thrown in a show, it doesn't matter if you don't turn well to the right, they're going to make you go that way, because that's the way those particular skaters are moving. So uh, you uh, would you recommend what old skaters are learning? They should be re- be able to reverse, you know, footwork. I'm not saying t- spin, you know, turns and spins, but at least footwork to be able to not favor. Um, yeah, I mean, even a simple T stop. It is good mm-hmm. to know that you can stop with your left foot in front and with your right foot in front. You'd be yeah. surprised that a lot of people can't do that. <laughs> right. Um, 
but you have those in shows and in skating. I think in competitive programs, you won't have a simple T-stop, right. but you might win if you have a basic skills competition. Right. Um, but it, with competitive, we train those programs for almost a full year or two years. So that's like ingrained in us. Right. Whereas with the um, uh, show program, thankfully with frozen, it was we, Cindy Stewart made it towards me, towards mm-hmm. my greater strengths. Mm-hmm. But if I, went to a different show and that show had a moving ice palace Mm -hmm. then I would have to move around the ice palace right because that thing is how many pounds coming at Mm -hmm. you on the ice with somebody you know remote control (laughs) driving it and it's on you to know okay the lights on this thing so you have to go around this way instead or in mine you could go through the set right so if somebody is jumping to the the right mm-hmm. clockwise then they would have to move their pattern in to come through the set to you know you just have to adjust and adapt right. to things right so i'm hearing some of the the best qualities or influences that your takeaways from your trophy life were adaptability right mm-hmm. um optimization of what you've got and being able to reframe stuff that you don't like or don't want into something that you do like and do want. Yeah. Is that close? Yes. I think so. And have fun with it. (laughs) And, and have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Because that gets lost along the way as well, but you have to find that joy in it. When you were two, was it joyful or were you doing it to please your mom? Oh, and no, it was all for us. We yeah. like to go out there and get our wiggles out is what we called it. Yeah. And just do laps, 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 laps. Loved it. <laughs> now, do you, um, at, at the holidays, does everybody skate together now? No. No. <laughs> oh, I, I don't remember. Last year I came home early for Christmas, but Piper wasn't able to come home because That's she right. was training for nationals. So. We're, we haven't really been home for the holidays. That's right. Um, so this year, but before, you know, we were training for competitions yeah. or sometimes we didn't even have Thanksgiving off. We had to right. skate in the morning. It's a Grand Prix, um, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. when you were doing the show too, yeah. Yeah, it, exactly. So um, I I don't remember the last time I skated with Kemper or Shelby, my other siblings, but I think – Piper and I probably skated together maybe two years ago or so at a clinic down in Arizona, but I think that was the last time. <laughs> the good thing about skating, though, it's lifelong. So you can yes. do it in, you know, we know some people are doing it in their well in their 80s um, that they are still skating. Um, so you have plenty of time to get yes. together and to go around some outdoor rink somewhere and have a good time. Soon. So we know where you were about seven years ago, retiring, six years ago, retiring, moving on with a professional career. Let's fast forward uh, six years in the future. Where do we find you? I mean, hopefully finished with school. Yeah. And I'm trying to go into some kind of business. I think that would be good for anything. And then, you know, hopefully involved in the skating world a little bit because, I love it, and I think we we always need good outside perspectives in the world and knowledge of what we have from what mm-hmm. we've learned mm-hmm. to pass along. Mm-hmm. Um, 
maybe maybe married maybe I hope my friends are all successful in the next six years and mm-hmm. um you know not we're not gonna be hopefully not stuck in this time of a pandemic right. and can grow but yeah I'm trying to make it through this year. <laughs> you are so, you know what? It's been such a joy talking to you because you are so like a ray of light. You have been so positive and so inspiring to listen to you and knowing that you you went you like went right at it. You were not having this pandemic. You went right into school in the summer, now full-time in the fall. Um, and the nice thing about something like competitive sports, um, is that it's like an octopus, you know, the skating is like the center. And then you have like these eight tentacles that you can become an agent or you can become a psychologist or you can become, Mm -hmm. you know, a designer, or you can become a choreographer or coach, or you can, you know, work for, um, nutrition company. Like there are so many branches that touch yeah. skating, that I just think it's fabulous that you are ready to awake, be awakened to a new dimension. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say it, it hasn't been easy because it's freaked me out more mm. times than I can see. But like, I at least I'm, I'm moving forward. You can't you can't quit. I think right. that's also what taught us about skating is, yes, we fall down and we fall down a lot. But we have to pick ourselves back up right. and learn the jump or learn the new skill or you know, we can't stop. And cope during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, if it was easy, it wouldn't be worth it. <laughs> yes, you're right. Right? Absolutely. So, well, thank you so much for um, visiting with me today. I, um, I'm leaving on a high note because you're just, you really are a ray of light. I am so glad. Mm-hmm. I know that we t- text all the time, but um, seeing your face is so um, added to my day hug. today. Yeah, we're we're Fitbit friends. Um, yeah, you would shame me on Fitbit. Please don't be my Fitbit friend. Don't worry. I've been sitting on a computer all day, so I, okay. I haven't gotten my steps in today. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And um, that's going to wrap it up for us today um, on the Trophy Life. And thank you so much, Alexi, for sharing um, you're fabulous, amateur and super fabulous professional career with us. And um, knowing that there's still life during this pandemic, you just have to live it within the limits that you're given, right? Exactly. You you have those required elements. And <laughs> that right, you grew up learning them. So you just yeah. kind of have to find the required elements and fill in the gaps there with what you, you know, find connect to a passion. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for having me, Kelly. Okay. See you. Bye. Bye, honey. For information about what influenced my trophy life, check out my book, Parent Up, Inspire Your Child to Be Their Best Self, available on Amazon. As always, you can find me on Instagram at krippon. For any questions and comments and more information about the trophy life, feel free to check me out at kellyrippon.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.